Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Get Real with Mama Moines. I am your host, Emily Moines, aka Mama Moines, joined by by my trusted sidekick and co-host Shelly. And today, Shelly has a really exciting um, guest lined up for us. So I can't wait to get this started. Shelly, over to you. Okay, thanks, Em. So today we have a actually a very good friend of mine that I've known for a really long time. And her name is Jackie. And the reason why I wanted to bring Jackie on the show today, I thought it would be a very compelling conversation because Jackie has um, gone through some issues. uh, I don't know if you can call it issues, Jackie, but you had um, discovered that your daughter had an eating disorder. And I think that from a parent's perspective, um, if we can help other parents out there and get your insight and what you've learned in the journey, I think it would be so helpful for people. So um, tell us uh, how old. First of all, are- I just want to say, Jackie, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Emily. Thank you. Shelley. So great to have you on the podcast. And just absolutely. I agree with Shelly 100%. Such an important conversation to have. So welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah. And Shelly. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Go ahead. I know so I just it, jumped right in there. Go ahead. It's, <laughs> it's great to be here. And as Shelly mentioned, we've known each other. Oh, I don't know, 50 some odd years, 40 some odd years. So we really do go back a long way and our kids go back a long way as well. So Shelly was equally as shocked uh, to find out when we found out that our daughter was struggling with an eating disorder. And to be honest, our daughter is now 24. And we only found out about her eating disorder in fourth year university. So it just, yes, yes. So, so when do you think it started? Well, she will tell us it started in high school in grade nine. Was there a trigger? Do you think? I don't know that there was a trigger. I think there was probably an underlying predisposition with anxiety Mm-hmm. And she is has turned out to be a far more anxious being than we ever knew. And she mm-hmm. hid her anxiety very well. So if you have an anxious being, and then the pressures of society start, especially in grade nine, right? It's a big time of social change, new friends, new school, social pressure, social media. Um, I think that she found a way to cope through food so okay so educate us because I, I I don't know this Shelly I don't know if you do um so there's bulimia and then yes. there's anorexia yeah so when you say that she coped through food is that when you sort of you purge so coping through food can be through controlling what you take in yeah. By okay. more the anorexic type of behavior where you're counting calories and you're obsessing about what's in everything and you're controlling your portions and you're chopping out food groups because you think food is bad. Certain foods are bad and certain foods are good. Yeah. You know, this whole thing about what's healthy yeah. can mm-hmm. be very, very powerful. And, um, and did you never at any point like, you know, witness anything like that like counting her calories or restricting herself or did she hide that really well from so you guys? 
or so actually what, does she yeah what type of actually eating disorder does she have so she will say it's a combined okay. um so she has characteristics of anorexia and bulimia mm-hmm. and i think that's the other thing to keep in mind is that we like to put our our diagnoses into categories and it isn't always so black and white. So there's even something called eating disorder, not otherwise something or other diagnosed. Um, So there's a spectrum of presentation. So what's really, really interesting is in grade nine, I had been away for a week and this of course is, you know, first year in a new school. And I was chatting to my husband and he said, you know, it's kind of interesting. She's been really withdrawn this week, kind of quiet, very tired. And it later came out that she had been toying around with not eating while I was away. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now I wonder, you know, that's interesting that she was toying around with it. She was starting to contemplate it. Mm -hmm. You weren't there. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if she felt it was just easier to hide Not, who's testing it, you know? Yes. I, I, I think that was it because I can have, you know, moms have these eagle eyes or we think, so don't, don't any moms just assume you've got eagle eyes just because you think you have them, but we assume we've got eagle eyes and we really don't. So, you know, she was able to get up in the morning, leave for school while I wasn't here not really worry about lunch at school and you know, whether she ate or didn't eat, I'm, Maybe that's the one meal she took in that day while I was gone. And it eventually came out that that's what had been going on. And we had a little chat about it. And I said to her, I so distinctly remember saying to her, so how did that work for you? You know, when I don't know about you, but if I don't eat, I'm not a very happy camper. No, I'm miserable. I'm <laughs> exactly. a major biatch. Exactly. Yes. And you start feeling like you're going to faint. Yes. And you get shaky, sweaty. Yes. Yes. All mm-hmm. those things, headaches. Yep. And at the end, she said, well, not so well. I said, okay, so is that that is like, are we, are we done with that? And she's like, yep. Mm-hmm. So was that so Jackie, was that then early on, like in the grade nine ish? Yeah, era? that was high school. First year of high school. Okay. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. I would have been winter of grade nine. So you sort of knew back then that she would could be sort of predisposed to that. But, you know, nine. yes. But honestly, Emily, it I thought we'd touched on it and it, it was over really was over. Yeah. And then she was able to hide it quite well at that point. She was so well equipped to hide it. Yeah. That. I only found out in fourth year university when one of her housemates called without, without our daughter knowing Uh and uh, said to me, "Um, I really want to talk to you about your daughter's eating disorder. It seems to be really out of control. Oh, Oh, what every shocker system, every parent's nightmare. Exactly. Yes. And of course, and in university, you have that pressure. Yeah, she's away from she's away at school. You could possibly know. That's right. So and did it, did it start again when she went away to university? Or do you think she was always sort of dabbling it. in it? And then it got exasperated in university? Or do I, you think 
I think it was present through high school. I remember one summer she came home from camp and this is where, you know, the lens of the societal pressure, she came home from camp in my books, she looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. Why did she look fantastic? Because she had trimmed down and that is our pressure from society that thin is good yeah. And fat is bad. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, really, really hard trend to go against. But when you come home from summer camp, if you've had a really busy summer and you've been outdoors and you've been active, it's not that uncommon to come home having lost a bit of weight. Yeah. She'll say now that was her summer of cucumbers. Oh, God. And that she had a lot of eyes. <laughs> nope. They weren't on her eyes. So, so, yeah, so I, have a, I just have a question. So when she came back from university and, or sorry, from summer camp yep. and she was looking fantastic thinner. Yeah. Down, mm-hmm. Yeah. Was she getting a lot of accolades for that? I honestly don't remember. Cause that was a long time ago now. She's, you know, she's 24 now. So that was mm-hmm. a good few years ago that summer. That was the end of grade 10. Um, so I don't honestly know, but yes, it, you know, as well as I, and Shelly knows when people have lost a certain amount of weight, we tend to go, wow, you look yep. awesome. Yes. 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 That's a big problem in the society. For yes. Sure. My, yes. I can relate to that with my own daughter. So yes, absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yep. And, and we think we're complimenting and saying the right thing, but it all depends on who's receiving the message and how they're receiving the message. Yep. Like, oh, okay. So this mm-hmm. is what I'm supposed to be looking like. This yep. is what I, uh, yeah. So-, so the other thing I will share with you is that our daughter had had a few unfortunate run-ins with some medical professionals. Mm-hmm. So Shelly and I actually shared the same family doctor and we won't name her and she's retired now, but at some point that family doctor indicated to our daughter that maybe she should think about losing weight. Oh boy. <laughs> now at that point, was she obese? Oh, no, that never. is never. Never. Yeah, that's, that's. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, and also Jackie, she was not having any health issues related to her weight either. She wasn't diabetic, right? Nope. Or was she? No. Nope. So for the doctor actually to say that was quite irresponsible. In hindsight, especially irresponsible. Yes. In hindsight. Well, from mm-hmm. a medical, yeah, a, a, mm-hmm. a, exactly. This is a medical professional and they're telling you that yes. you need to lose weight. So, so I'll just share one irony of this whole story is that our daughter's chosen profession is to be a registered dietitian. I did want to ask you about that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and don't forget. So in grade 12, when she made her choice for university and decided to go into food science, that was in the midst of all of this. Yep. Yep. And I can tell you that as a registered dietitian, she will never work for Weight Watchers. She will never work for Noom. She will never work for Jenny Craig. She will never ever work in anything that promotes weight loss for the sake of looking better. And she even struggles a bit with the focus on weight loss 
for certain health conditions, certainly because of the strictness of it and the realistic, you know, the really, the reality, pardon me, that, you know, if you tell someone they can only eat 10 almonds, how realistic is that? So she's found herself a role working in oncology where food is important and what you take in is important and you're allowed to eat all foods because maintaining a healthy, a healthy, robust weight is important. So yeah. Anyways, that's just a little aside. No. And how, so where is she at? So, okay. So you find out, okay. So you're in, yep. so you get a call from her roommate. Yep. yep. She's concerned about her eating habits mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're shocked obviously yes. to hear this. Yep. So, so where do you go from there at that point? Then what? So for us, the journey started with our daughter, uh, having a solid family physician on campus. How did you address it with her though? Did you call her? Like, how do you then address it with your daughter? So (laughs) it's funny you ask. Um, I'm just asking because I'm sure there's parents out there listening to this and not knowing how to now navigate, you know, how do I now bring this up with her without triggering her or him for that matter? Yes, yes. Because it does happen with young men as well. Yes. So how did you go about then actually having that conversation with her? So after I got off the phone with her roommate or housemate, I called our, I came in, I think I told our husband, my husband, what was going on. And I, eventually I called our daughter that day and I had this very open and frank conversation with her. And she's like, geez, it's almost like my roommate called you. (laughs) Yeah. And because you want to protect the roommate too. Also. Yes. Yes. And I was very careful not to give away my sources or give away any sources for that matter. And it it was a very calm conversation and we acknowledged there was a problem and this was several years ago now. So I'm I'm not a hundred percent clear on exactly what transpired, except that she found herself a therapist in the town where she was going to school Mm -hmm. and she found a registered dietitian through the uh, it's not the Canadian mental uh, through Canadian Mental Health Association. Yes. Yeah. So did she not? Okay. So did she not go like, mom, what are you talking about? I don't have a problem. Like I'm fine. Or no. did she acknowledge it? She acknowledged, point? she acknowledged it. Oh, she at did. that point. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's pretty impressive too. So it sounds mm-hmm. like she really wanted to get the help for it. I think that, yes, I think that's fair, Shelly. I think that's very true. And I think that has, um, helped her along the way because here we are one second five six seven three or four years later and three years later and her eating disorder for now is incredibly under control and wow that's great that's amazing and then so I know uh so just take us through the um the process of so she set it up herself which is really very amazing for her to do that on her own, very responsible, very mature. Yes. And probably really helps in the, um, in the whole process when you, cause now she's taken ownership. She has taken, she did take ownership. However, it's that fine line because she needed help. She needed parental involvement and yet her stubbornness and her independence kept wanting to push us 
out of her circle of care. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that was a challenge from my perspective, because like the two of you who, well, I know Shelly for one, um, we'd like to be involved in our kids' lives. We like to be there to catch them when there's a problem. We want to be able to rescue them so that their lives are happy and healthy. And ours, our daughter was putting up this barrier to say, I know I have a problem and I'm going to deal with it and you don't need to get involved. And you kind of have to respect that on one level too. Plus she was out of town. Yes. That makes it even more challenging. Yes. So, and is there ever a fear? Like I don't, so enlighten us once, once you have this eating disorder, is this like a lifelong thing? Is this something that you can sort of, you can kick it and, and you're good. Is there, are there triggers? Is there something that you have to be sort of cognizant of in the future? So, um, we've learned a lot along the way Yeah, and the program that she was able to connect with, and I'll get into that in a little while, um, comes from the philosophy that you can recover. Okay. It's, I think, and I agree because I'm seeing it. It doesn't mean it won't come back. So mm-hmm. like being, having a, ad, an addiction to drugs or to alcohol, it's, I wouldn't say that an eating disorder falls into those. I don't have the medical um, uh, clout to say that, but I have to believe that this is something that she will recover from or has all has recovered from, it doesn't mean she won't relapse. So is this like, right. a, is this more of a, like of a mental health issue rather than like a, an addiction? It's, is it a, is it considered a mental health? So yes, it does fall in Canada. It falls, I believe it falls under the DSM, which is what this psychiatrist used to diagnose these things. Uh-huh. And through all of this, I have yet to meet anybody who just has an eating disorder. Really? So what do you mean by that? Exactly? So they have depression. Okay. Anxiety. Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Bipolar. Okay. A lot of ADHD. Yes. ADHD. ADHD. Yeah. So um, concur- concurrent addictions. So when Meredith, Meredith ended up doing a residential eating disorder treatment program in the States. And so there's a big gap, right? Okay. So here she is in fourth year. We get from counseling and the registered dietitian that she's working with to fast forward. She's graduating from university and she's supposed to start an internship and realize that she's really not in the headspace to do that. And she has now returned home with us and starts seeking eating disorder treatment here in our hometown through a specialized clinic of psychologists with experience. And the feedback she received was that what they could offer wasn't going to be enough. And we started looking at other options. And one of the options we discovered was a very good program in the States that we decided we would undertake to get her there. And I don't want to give anyone in the audience, you know, false hope. It's very hard to secure good, reliable 
eating disorder treatment in Ontario. Yep. And to send someone to the States has a cost, which we we felt was a priority Mm -hmm. and, and we don't regret any of it. But in that residential treatment program, the bulk of the women, Oh, hello. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. That's sorry. I apologize. Anyone that knows, listens to my podcast knows exactly whose dog that is. I'm going to close my door. That's called life. Yeah, that's called welcome to uh, not being in a sound room. Exactly. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry um, about that. That was oh, Cohome, my favorite. I have a love hate relationship with him. Okay. No, carry on. Oh, no, I was just going to say that all of, you know, we met many women, different ages, different stages, pregnant. Some of them had left their kids at home with spouses. Uh, some of them were young. Some of them were moms. Some of them were single. Some were married. And I think every single one of them had an underlying concurrent mental health issue, like anxiety, like alcoholism, like a bipolar disorder or severe depression. Wow. So um, I, I just recently, I um, have um, sold my shares of a business, which was a, um, an athletic training facility. Ah, interesting. Yes. We had um, an athlete, um, an elite athlete who uh, suffered from uh, an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you that, I mean, the pressure is immense when you're an elite athlete, it's immense. Yes. And I think that had a lot to do with it, but I do recall having a conversation with the parents because uh, to be quite honest, I was um, shocked. I think mm-hmm. after seeing her come back after um, the summer, I'm sh- shocked by her physical appearance. Yep. And one of her things was she wanted to train and she wanted to train hard and literally she, her clothes was falling off of her. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a a conversation with the parents and their biggest beef was that there just were not enough resources in Ontario to deal with um, their situation. And they were at their wits end. Yep. And so can you offer, like, is there any do you have any advice where to go resources? You know, I, I, I just, I, yes. I mean, I remember saying to my business partner at the time, this is beyond what we are capable of doing. Yes. They wanted us and we, and we did um, nutritional programs for our athletes, but this is something that we are not capable of dealing with. This is beyond our realm of expertise. Yes. Yes. So, so uh, one of the things I will say, some of the discouragement that our daughter felt was that if you, the reason that people get admitted to hospital with an eating disorder is not typically because of the amount of purging they're doing and purging can have a huge effect on the body. It affects your teeth. It affects your digestive tract because you're vomiting, right? It's acidic. And people are doing this like so many times in a day. And yet that won't be a reason why people are admitted to hospital. People are admitted to hospital when their BMI, Mm -hmm. their body mass index is so low that they're at real risk of a heart, of heart failure, of really complicated medical problems. So not everybody who has an eating disorder is at risk of that kind of 
life or death um, outcome. Right. right. Because there's a continuum. That's the yes. Thing. And also, yes. And, then and oh, ahead. Emily, I was just going to say one thing to keep in mind is there is a form of exercise anorexia. Okay. So yes, because, mm-hmm. and I don't, and, and I don't want to get into, you know, too much, inf- right. Divulge too much into, cause right. you know, no, no, no privacy, but, but yes, this person wanted was adamant, yep. adamant that she needed to maintain her exercise routine. Yes. Yes. That's also an addiction too. Don't you think that, I mean, people are addicted to that. That's also part of the OCD and that yep. order too, because they, it, they become addicted to working out. Yes. It depends what's motivating it. And it depends what you're gaining from it. So what does someone gain from not eating? Because you sure feel crappy. You feel like you're going to pass out. Mm-hmm. And our it's daughter awesome. said she could be at work and feel like she was going to pass out and she just pushed through it. So what is the motivating factor on that then? Is it control? You know, it used yep. to be the school of thought back then. Is this something I can control? It, it is control. It's about looking better. It's about feeling, oh, I'll just feel better if I lose weight. So one doctor, I, I mentioned the medical community. The other doctor that said this to her was a respirologist because she had developed asthma and mm. he thought she should lose weight because she had developed asthma. And again, she was far from obese. And when someone is vulnerable, and those words land in their ears and get processed through their brain, it can trigger something. And that's what I, I if anyone is listening, and they can take away a couple, one message would be, think about the power of your words. Absolutely. So when a daughter sees a mom standing in front of the fridge, absolutely 100%. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. Yes. I'm so fat. Yes. And I'm sure we're all guilty of it too. I know I am. Yes. Yeah. That said, I've, one of the books I read at one point when we were going through this was one of the paragraphs was about a group, you know, a therapy group. And one of the girls in the therapy group says, I always struggled with my weight. And if only my parents had taken me to somebody so I could lose weight, I wouldn't be in this situation. And then the other one, you know, so here's somebody. And then the other one says, I was always overweight. And all my mom ever did was tell me that I should not eat that whatever. And here I am. So blame also of the parents. You can't win. No, no, you can't win. So um, Jackie, when you got that call from her roommate in university, what prompted, what prompted her to call you? Was it because she was noticing that that um, your daughter was losing a lot of weight. Like what, what made her worry? Like what would be a sign that she would think, Oh, yeah. Because to get to the point to call the parent is, you know, must be, I think she saw a lot of food refusal. I don't think she saw, we never observed that massive weight loss. Um, And And I I think that's really important to point out because when you think of somebody who has an eating disorder, you typically are going to think that that person is like a skeleton, right? Exactly. And so that's really, really important that to point that out Mm -hmm. because you can obviously have an eating disorder um, that that doesn't, um, that doesn't exemplify like having this body type that is like skeletal. You can yes. still look normal. Yes. And that's why it's so easy to disguise. It's very easy to disguise. And then, so 
over time, what we have learned is that the anorexic or starvation behavior would occur all day, and the more bulimic behavior would occur in the evenings. Is that when she was around people then, and that's her so, way sort of hiding it, looking like she's eating? Um, no, I think sh- there would be some binging, and whether it was true binging or not, right? Like binging to some people looks like you eat the whole box of donuts, but um, just the overeating or the the more the high the greater pursuit of eating would take place in the evening, and then it sets in with guilt. Oh God, and I have great. that on a regular fucking basis. That's <laughs> <laughs> too bad. I don't have the guilt. <laughs> yes, but Emily, I hope that when you feel guilty, you can sit in it for a minute and not run to the bathroom and make yourself throw up. No, I do not. It, I do yeah. not make myself you throw up. You actually feel guilty? Oh, really? Binge and feel guilty is like my middle name at night. Right. Oh gosh. Right. And I'm sorry. The f- I'm sorry. Like, the fucking commercials on TV I know. from seven o'clock onward is ridiculous. It's it is food, food, food. Mm, all well, that's night that's long. why you have to watch Netflix. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So Jackie, exactly. also, yes. I'm curious, like also, you know, in the therapy arena. Shelly, sorry, I can barely hear you, hun. Oh, in Shelly. the therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, arena. What, yeah. What are some takeaways for that like because obviously as a parent you you know you want to have your therapy and figure out what right to do as a parent right um what are some takeaways from that so i i will tell you that the two approaches that they seem to use most often are cbt which is cognitive behavioral therapy yeah and then the other one which you may or may not have heard of is dbt mm. which is dialectical behavioral therapy my daughter's done that okay mm-hmm. and And DBT seems to actually be even more, in my experience, it might be region by region, but our experience is the DBT piece of it, developing distress tolerance, um, radical acceptance where things are the way they are, like actually sitting in your emotions, but not festering in your emotions. the other thing is that there seems to be a lot of group work and what appealed to us about the treatment program that Meredith went to was it was an excellent combination of both group therapy and individual therapy. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because I'll tell you, my daughter did not like the group therapy. Yeah. Um, It was tough for her. Mm. A different circumstance, not an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, but um, she really struggled with that. She did not want people uh, prying or knowing mm. it was the, you know, the guilt, the shame that this isn't working. So the group was difficult. So what did, what did Meredith enjoy about the group? I'm not sure she'll say she ever enjoyed any of it, to be honest. Um, but yeah. she was in a very strict, but welcoming program for uh one second let me figure this out uh close to five months that she spent in this residential treatment wow good for her yeah and that was in the states right that was in the states that was based in boston and completely paid out of pocket correct yeah see that's so so i will while we're on i will give a shout out to a few different programs if people are listening 
Um, and a lot of groups have gone to virtual. Mm, um, yep. So you can you can get online from wherever you are. And so the one group is based out of Hamilton and it's called Body Brave. And they have some excellent resources. They have yoga for bigger bodies. If you're in person, a lot of body acceptance. It was founded by a mother and daughter or a mother whose daughter had suffered from an eating disorder. There's a history there of a personal experience. Um, in Ottawa, we have Hopewell yep. that offers a lot of resources um, and including groups for uh, the individuals. Um, and I can't remember if they have a parent support group as well. Anchor in Ottawa, Anchor Psychological Services has a long wait list, but they do offer parent support and support for the individual who is demonstrating eating disorder behavior. Canadian Mental Health Association, you would check your various locations and based on where you are in the province to see if they have anything to offer. The Ottawa Hospital has an inpatient program as well as a day hospital program and a limited outpatient program. So their day hospital program is a multi-week program. And again, you'll wait for it. But if you can wait and you get in, then there's an opportunity and it's covered by OHIP. Oh, good to know. Yeah. You know, because unfortunately, helpful. you know, if you're in a situation where you don't, you know, financially, you can't afford to put them into, um, you know, a program. Right, where, yep. Yeah. 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 Now there are a couple of others I'll share the Mississauga has a program and the name of it, the hospital is escaping me at this moment, but it's got a well-respected eating disorder program, Credit Valley, maybe? I think it's Credit Valley. Oh, Credit Valley, yep, that's yep. well-known in Mississauga. Yep, and there's an interesting program in Brandon, Manitoba, but it's not run by physicians. If anyone is really, really struggling and they feel that the States is where they're headed. So I'm going to tell you right now, Jackie, that probably 70% of our listeners are from the U S okay. Okay. So yeah, so, if you have any information um, for them. So I think when you go online and you Google eating disorder treatment, United States, I don't know if you would even know where to begin. Wow. So how because, did you find your facility where, where Meredith went? So Meredith went to a psychologist here in Ottawa. And then they referred. And the woman she met had worked at one of these centers in the U.S. Okay. and said to her, if you're willing and your family is able to consider this for any length of time, then you would be smart to look at the program where she had worked or, and she gave us one other name and Meredith came home from that session and she did some research. She made two phone calls and one of them, not the one where this psychologist had worked, but sorry, that's incoming. Um, but the other one called her right back gave her all the information. And the next thing, you know, we were driving to Boston. Wow. That's fantastic though. So wow. 
But I will say for those in Canada, if you actually go to the, um, well, in Ontario, if you go to the OHIP website, the Ministry of Health website, there is information about accessing American treatment through OHIP. Oh. And it, yes. Well, that's great tips too. So that's really good to know yeah. that you can access an American treatment through OHIP. You can with a lot of paperwork and all pre-approved. You can't just go and then expect OHIP to reimburse you. It has to all be done in a very systemic way. I believe you have to present documentation that proves you can't receive appropriate treatment here. I would think there's a time limit to it, but there's a program in Wisconsin and it is called, uh, I think it's Rogers. It's either McLean or Rogers. So yeah. Well, that's really good to know. I mean, you know, because it definitely is, there's a cost factor obviously involved when you're dealing with, um, with situations like this. I've, yes. I've now I'll throw in one other fascinating program. It's at Columbia university in New York and it is a research-based program. And because it's research-based, there's no cost from what I understand to participate in their program. Mm, good well, to know as well. That's a great uh, tip. That one actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so how long? How long was she in the program for? So she was five in months. About five months, and not all of it was residential. They have an amazing way of stepping you down. They you go from living in this beautiful home with twenty four hour care, keeping a bird's eye view on you, to graduating to what they call um, intensive outpatient. And how long has she been out now? She's been home. She came home right before the pandemic started. She came home in February, 2020. And how's and she doing? She's doing great. She immediately found a new therapist and dietitian based where we are. Mm -hmm. And she has recently discharged the dietitian. They agreed her treatment was her situation was stable and she continues with the therapist so that she can deal with her ongoing anxiety and depression. So also, don't go away. No. And so I would, I would assume that medication would be part of that program. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, and sometimes it's a cocktail and sometimes it's trial and error and sometimes it's increasing doses. And that is where it's important to have a skilled physician involved. Right. And, and is she living at home with you now? She is not. She is working at her first real job as a registered dietitian. And she has a great boyfriend and she has nice friends and she is on a really positive trajectory. That is so great. So, yeah. and you guys are always so open and you're great communicators and you know you always had such a fantastic relationship with your kids anyway it's not we like, hope you know you have I mean I've witnessed it I mean remember when mm -hmm. she was born yeah. so <laughs> oh my gosh you guys go back a long way we go we back do. a long way well and I think between the three of us we've been friends for over 30 years oh yeah a hundred years more, more like we're really aging ourselves. I we know. are. I just, I want to also give a shout out to um, some resources that we've used. If anyone listening is interested, uh, there are a few books that we found very helpful. 
and they're all by a woman named Carolyn Costin, C-O-S-T-I-N. She founded the program where our daughter attended in the States. And the one book is called Your Dieting Daughter. The other is called The Eight Keys to, I don't remember the exact name, but it's called The Eight Keys to Recovering from an Eating Disorder, I believe. Give or take. These are all great resources because I know that a lot of parents probably are like stuck. Where do I turn to? Where do I go? What do I do now? Yes. And, and sometimes there's such a feeling of hopelessness. Yep. Um, I, you know, I remember going through that. Like, I remember thinking this system sucks. It does. Well, it does. suck. Yeah, it does. And the level of distress, I think it's, you know, it's not a secret. The pandemic has brought out a lot of, there's been an uptick in eating disorders. Our children's hospital has just recently announced uh, expanded programming to catch people before they need hospitalization. The province of Ontario just announced several million dollars to put towards eating disorder treatment. So it is gaining more traction. Emily, do you ever get feedback from or questions after the podcasts are aired do you hear from your your listeners yes yes i do i would be happy if there are questions that you can send them my way and i will do my best to give people some resources or absolutely so anyone that is listening to the podcast right now and you do have questions for jackie please dm me at um a lot of the followers that we have originally came from our instagram so please dm me send a dm to uh, get real with mama moines um and i will be more than happy to pass them along to jackie um Mm -hmm. uh, and thank you so much for offering that because i'm really so proud of this little community that we've created here because it really does i get comments all the time i actually did a post today um on a i had done a I, I, I reposted a reel of this woman crying in her car because she couldn't mm. bring herself to go into her home that is now empty because her husband of 18 years had left her mm. and her children were at his home now putting their new bedrooms together and she was struggling. And I reposted that because I'm like, Oh my God, you know how many women have been there. And so I did get a lot of comments from that post of so many women just saying, thank you. I needed that today. I needed to hear this today. I needed to see this today. Cause I, I did a little sort of um, video on that. And so my point is my point being, I'm just so proud of this community that we've created that helps women and men, but predominantly women, because that's most of the followers, mm-hmm. just to make you feel like you are not alone. And we are here to help each other and build each other up. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, and just like, not everything is fucking roses and rainbows. All the and time. Not these days. And I think, Emily, what you're pointing out also is that you may, you know, it isn't just doctors and therapists and dietitians and lawyers and social workers who are on these podcasts is people having these what we call lived experiences who yes. can share those stories we all have stories when yep. which I was saying to Shelly before everyone has a story mm-hmm. and when you hear a story on a podcast that resonates with you your ears perk up and it might not be about you, but then maybe you think about your friend or your daughter's friend that you see struggling and they go, wait a second. And 
all we can do is dispel myths and take away stigma by talking about these things. I completely That's agree. So I really true. do. Yeah. And Absolutely. I think one of the most important things is because I say often, like, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. Exactly. I'm not an expert in anything. All I yep. am is a 55 year old woman who has been there. Cause I talk a lot about the struggles of divorce in the court system yes, and raise and yes. being a single mom and raising kids and, you know, just the financial stress of doing all that. And I'm just like, I'm not an expert here. Yep. I'm just somebody who's been there twice. Yep. yep. <laughs> Three. Twice. Who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> Glut- You're a glutton for punishment. Yeah. And if I can, you know, help you through my experience, then, you know, that it's all worth it. Yes. I just help one person through my experience. And so sometimes just hearing somebody on the podcast who is real, who is normal, who is not a celebrity or a doctor or whatever, who's just been there, who's been through it. Yeah. can give you some insight. It, It can really be very valuable. So there was one thing I wanted to share. I hope we have time and we don't get cut off from Zoom before you wrap up. But I did say to Shelly, and I've said this to our daughter, you know, I think if you discover that your child is struggling and they're eight years old, 10 years old, 12 years old, this dynamic develops in a family that becomes very, very challenging because every meal becomes an opportunity for policing and watching and arguing and bargaining and negotiating. And because our daughter developed this, or because it came to our attention when she was already 21 or 22 years old, um, we don't have that dynamic at the table. We have uh, ways of checking in and she's worked on that. And I think that was one of the questions. How do you watch? How do you know? Uh, she was. She learned how to put a red, yellow, green system in what what behavior is red behavior that you know you're tipping over the edge and you need help what is yellow behavior warning signs and what is green eating behavior eating all food groups eating at regular times of day not procrastinating about eating eating reasonable portions etc so that's green eating behavior and everyone will have different green different yellow and different red that's a great Mm. system actually because it makes it kind of uh, clear and yes, to follow. Yeah. And but what about the fact that she's working in food for a career? So I think, you know, it's almost like the shoemaker's children. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think it's all that surprising. We hear, you know, children who've suffered in childhood and have had trauma go into youth work and that sort of thing. Yeah. So she knows the ins and outs. Um, and she's learned what where she will be able to contribute and where she will not feel like she's being her most honest self. And I think that will guide her in terms of what jobs she takes going forward. Because, you know, being in the food industry in the dietitian, helping people in terms of health, Mm -hmm. that she's, she's a part food now becomes a part of her life all day long. Absolutely. For her own nourishment for her own mental health and Mm -hmm. for helping other people. So Mm -hmm. no escape for her. Nope. From the food world. Nope. I I hope that that just doesn't give her more challenges. Well, she started off, she got a contract when she first graduated and it was in a therapy center based in Southern Ontario with an amazing group of psychologists. And the purpose of her role was going to be dealing with 
the clients they saw who were having significant eating related issues. And at the, at that point, just out of school, newly recovered, that proved to be too much, but working in a field right now on a team inpatient outpatient oncology, she's finding her rhythm quite nicely. And And well, I was going to say, and also, you know, as she ages and goes through her career, because she's gone through this, she's going to be an amazing support for people, an amazing advocate. Like people will trust her. They will, you know, and obviously I would assume just by her nature, she's going to be open and talk about it. Like she's mm-hmm. going to be able to contribute so much in her journey going forward I hope. in her career. Well, how I does do she, that, that's an interesting point, Shelly, because how does she, um, how does she feel Jackie about um, this sort of being public or that you're even talking about it on a podcast. So Shelly knows that I did ask permission and I got consent. Obviously we haven't used her name, Mm -hmm. haven't identified where she's working. Um, So I feel I've protected her privacy. You did use her name. Oh, I did. Her fake name. Her fake name. Her (laughs) fake name. Um, Try to pretend. And even so, I don't think she'd be upset because she does know that the only way to, as I said, dispel myths, break down barriers, reduce the stigma is to talk about these things. So, I mean, she and her friend that she met in treatment even started their own Instagram page about food positivity and Oh, that's really positive. You should really put that out there. Yeah. People can follow her. That's fantastic. And the other interesting thing, of course, is that many of the people she met, the professionals that she met in treatment are, were recovered from eating disorders. Her, her most amazing therapist who probably turned her around and helped her to get to this point had, was recovered from an eating disorder. So yeah. Well, that's what they say. Walk a mile in my shoes. And then, yes. So that's makes yes. for a much better therapist. Yep. Someone who's gone through it. That's fantastic. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah, so, exactly. It's fantastic. so happy for her. I'm thrilled that she's doing well and moving on. She's happy. And that's exactly. what we want for our kids, right? We want them to be happy. Yep. Healthy. Yep. And so we're very proud of her, but we should, um, what's her Instagram page? Do you know, you'll have to look it up. We'll, we'll post it. I'll look it up. And they haven't posted much. I think it's actually a sign that they're both moving on. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. so they don't want to be a part of like have it's, that extra thing to be involved with. So I think that it was a really good exercise for both of them as the two girls came out of treatment. And as they've gotten more focused on their day-to-day lives, their work life, their social life, they haven't needed to make those posts as often. Great. So, but the, but the, the Instagram page is gals of the hill. Oh, G A L S gals of the, of the hill, because the eating disorder treatment center had the, it was at, it, it ended in Hill. So that's where they met. So they called themselves the gals of the Hill. That's fantastic. Oh, and that's fantastic. Yep. Yep. And it, it doesn't give away who they are. It just gives some inspiring information about positivity towards food. That's, that's great. really great. And you know what? I think that this is really, has really been helpful to a lot of the listeners that could potentially be, you know, facing sort of the same struggles. 
Um, I mean, ultimately as moms, three moms here, all we ever want is, you know, the best for our kids. Yes. Um, right. I mean, I know I, I have, my oldest is 31, but I still think of him as like, you know, a two-year-old. <laughs> That's how I see him. But, you know, pro- let's just probably be clear, because he, he acts like a two-year-old. I was going to say he doesn't act like a two-year-old, does he? <laughs> I don't know, on occasion he does. <sighs> so, yeah, I mean, we're all just moms trying to do the best that we can for our kids. You're right. You're right. And, so- and I think it's also, I think, again, just to reiterate and we'll wrap up, the uh, takeaway is what you had said in the beginning you know, watch the message that we send to our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so important. Yep. So and, important. Yeah. And yep. the other thing too, is uh, to be open and have the communication. Yep. And what else would your closing comment be, Jackie? I would say, keep an open dialogue with your kids. Talk about life, check in, and watch for watch for significant changes in behavior if you're so lucky as to find those. Right. So and it, just be mindful of fat shaming, categorizing food as good or bad. You know, anything in moderation. Ice cream is not a terrible food. Maybe oh, I'll, I'll second that. Yeah, we all if, third that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're diabetic, you have to be careful. Fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a really great closing, closing sort of um, thought is mm-hmm. um, exactly that be cognizant of what how we are acting and reacting to food because our kids, especially our young kids yep. are looking up to us and they're listening and they're hearing what we're saying and how we're reacting to food and they already have enough pressure as it is with social media and you know the the stigma that is quote unquote what is supposed to be beautiful and yes and acceptable in society. Yes. And I think it does start at home. And I think just everything, you know what I think? I think everything in balance, everything Um, in balance. Exactly. It's everything in moderation and that's healthy eating anyway. Yes. Yes. All your food groups, all your colors, exactly ice cream. And if you have Neapolitan, you've got all your, you've got all your colors in there. right? So brown, white, and green. Exactly. Exactly. So if anyone happens to be looking for a therapist and they come across something that says they are haze friendly, H A E S that stands for health at every size. If you happen to be looking for a dietitian and you say, see it, they take a haze approach. It's a health at every size. And that's what that means. So, Oh, very good to know. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Did not know that. Good to know health at every size. If you have high blood pressure, if you have kidney dysfunction, if you're diabetic, obviously your dietary needs are way different. But for the average family sitting down to dinner, enjoy your meals. Don't make them fraught with discussions about the value of the food you're eating. Just talk with each other. Sounds yeah. great. Jackie, Jackie thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for joining us today. We really are- appreciate your insight and all your help. It oh was my, gosh, my, yes. my pleasure. Yeah, yeah I appreciate awesome. your candor, your vulnerability with your daughter. Thank you so much. Your I think openness, really, really, your openness to discuss it. Thank you. Oh, we've we've learned to peel off a lot of layers. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. isn't that what Donkey said? Yes. Shrek? Yep. Yeah. The layers. So, and and the, to the parents out there, don't be afraid to take care of yourselves and get the therapy that you need as well. Oh, that's so a important. great point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great point. Because, yes, great point. I remember okay. doing that as well. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. We yeah. really appreciate it.
My pleasure. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you listeners uh, for listening yet to another yet episode of get real with mama Moines. And we'll see you back here next week. Uh, Have a great week and we will chat soon. Bye for now. Bye.